Welcome to Guardians of Lore. Uh, This is episode 6, recorded January 5th, 2018. Topic is Ava Levante. I am Elamist. This is Hyven. And this is Mrs. Hyven. All right. Um, We're going to start off by talking about some podcast news. Uh, You might have noticed, but we have a new name. We used to be TSA Destiny Lore Chat, and now we are Guardians of Lore. We also have a podcast Twitter account. Uh, Mrs. Hyven can talk more about that. Yes, we do. Uh, It's very exciting. New year, new name, new Twitter account. Um, It is Guardians of Lore. Uh, However, if you're looking it up by the at, you're going to type in Guardians underscore lore. The picture on our Twitter will always be the same as the picture with our podcast. Um, So if that changes, our Twitter will match it. Uh, Easy to find. Speaking of, we're also going to be getting a new logo and a new podcast URL. So anybody who is subscribed to the actual podcast, you might have to resubscribe after January 11th. Um, We will post the links on our Twitter just so that everybody has full access. Apparently, I'm pretty sure any platform, if you just look us up as Guardians of Lore just for search, you should just be able to find us. Um, I don't know if we pop up as TSA Lore Chat anymore. I think we, we still technically do. I think you can get us through both at the moment. but Yeah, we're in a now... weird transition phase. Uh, we are going on to a new segment that we're starting up called Stuff You May Have Missed in Destiny. I'm actually going to be skipping that first bullet for a moment. (laughs) The dawning happened. Yay. It was about two and a half weeks of baking treats and delivering them to people. Yeah. Um, The tower was beautiful. I love the snow. It was. The statue that Akora makes every year. Oh, see, I I really enjoyed the snowballs. Always. I had a Zavala and Shax. You had a fight with a bunch of hunters the other day. Just like the four of us, people I've never <laughs> met before, just beating each other with snowballs in the tower. I love it. As somebody who doesn't <laughs> avidly always uh, play this game, I'm a intermittent player, but I love the story of it. Hearing you guys talk about baking treats and delivering them to people sounds very odd when you haven't <laughs> done it yourself and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Well, <laughs> Every new event, I show Mrs. Hyven the tower. I make her look yeah, and see how pretty Yeah, I love is. looking at how pretty the tower is because, for me, it's just another um, layer of how they really just make the game so interesting, you know? All these different events. Um, last year around Valentine's Day when they had it all, like, pretty and pink and hearty and That's red. And, again. I know. I'm looking forward to it. It's convenient that it always happens around our anniversary. It feels like Destiny's celebrating with us. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yep. Hey, and also, the reason I like the dying is because those gifts, while didn't give you a lot of great items and weapons, I got a good bit of master, uh, or sorry, enhancement cores from turning in a bunch of those gifts, which was definitely something needed. Like, I, I completely agree with, with what Mrs. Hyven was originally saying. I mean, Destiny at its core is an FPS, a first-person shooter. So when you start talking about how you're baking treats and <laughs> delivering them, it's kind of odd. <laughs> That's why I say Destiny has depth, man. 
I do love it. You know, they have so much. They really do, though. Like, from the way they do events and change the tower to the way they have all this lore and all these little, you know, I don't know, hidden gems. Like, I mean, that's the whole reason we have a podcast is because we're literally reading lore books and finding all of these little hidden gems and figuring out the timeline. And there's so much that goes into it. I can only imagine being in, like, a writer's room for Destiny, man. There was also Iron Banner since our last episode, and that's mm-hmm. just a week-long PvP fest helping out Lord Saladin. About the same as usual. Uh, were you able to get in for much there, Elemist? I know you were, you played a couple matches, at least. Yeah, I played a couple matches. Um, yeah. I've got the full set of armor for my Titan, but now it's like I still need to actually go in and do it for my Hunter and my Warlock. But... The bullet that I skipped over, spoilers for anybody who has not seen it, although at this point, I think all the news outlets, like the gaming news outlets, probably have covered it ad nauseum. Prince Aldrin is alive. Yeah, I was about to say more importantly, discussing this hidden gem we were referring to. (laughs) And we think his ghost is pulled pork. Like... The way the ghost acted and the detailing on the actual ghost, it matches. But we can, we're not going to go too in-depth about this this week. I don't know if you guys all remember Pulled Pork, but he was our seemingly clueless ghost scanning everything who's been looking for his guardian for so long. Yeah, but we'll go into that whole topic because uh, there's some other implications. You know, just the fact we found it in the Queen's throne room, that cutscene, she wasn't there. There's all kinds of interesting stuff, but we are probably going to have a whole podcast in a couple of weeks just about Aldrin being turned into a guardian and about kind of guardians, what they're, what things are like when they're first raised. So. And like the consequences or lack thereof of him coming back as a guardian. I would imagine anyone listening to this podcast is very familiar with New Forsaken, but Aldrin is the one who killed Cade, one of our favorite NPCs in the tower and who went on missions with us. It's not a, there's a lot of angry people. I was angry when he got rezzed. Yeah, I think you could go so far as to say, like, the favorite for majority. I mean, Cade was, like, I don't know. I think I haven't played as much, honestly. Uh, since Cade died. Like, I just, I didn't even want to play Forsaken because I just, I didn't want to see that cutscene. Like, I just, if I didn't watch, like, if I didn't play it, it didn't happen. And I I just wanted to stop it. It was interesting, but we'll save that for another podcast. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too crazy. Get some, some hype thoughts here. But, on to this week's topic. Ava Levante. Uh, she was a vendor in Destiny 1. Uh, she primarily sold shaders and emblems. She was primarily cosmetics. Yeah, really only cosmetics. And uh, she was also the vendor for Festival of the Lost and for The Dawning back in Destiny 1. For Destiny 2, she came back to the city, came back to the tower with The Dawning. And that's primarily why we're talking about her. We're going to be reading pretty much a lore book called Ava's Journey. And it's all about where she's been. Yeah, just for a long time. We didn't know if she survived um, the attack from the um, 
from Gaul and the Red Legion. Red War. Yeah, the whole Red War. She's well, just kind of been missing. Well, when we gained access to the tower, there was one scannable that was talking about how Ava was still alive, but she didn't want to return to the tower yet. Still, though, when we talk about later on where she was, I still don't remember seeing her there either. So it was interesting. But yeah, for a long time, I didn't know if she was coming back personally. Uh, she didn't show up for the Festival of the Lost. I'm pretty sure we've had one other dawning before she was not there, and we've had one Festival of Lost, and she hasn't been here. Yeah, but Amanda Lost. took up the the mantle for Festival. I remember her talking about how since Ava wasn't at the tower, you know, Amanda was doing Festival of the Lost for everybody. And Eva Levante is a cool character. She has a creepy voice in game. She kind of freaks me out a little bit. But creepy. <laughs> what she re- she sounds creepy, dude. A creepy old lady <laughs> just, just hiding in the lady. corner. I don't know. I sp- every time I, I turn the corner and old I hear old lady phrases can voice. be creepy sometimes. Yeah, but either way, she's she's always been cool. I like what she represents, though. She's always there in the tower as a non-guardian, just a regular person who likes to like remind all the guardians, kind of, that we don't always have to be heroes and that kind of stuff. So she kind of she's there to bring cheer to make people feel better. Both for Festival of the Lost, to remember those lost, and for the dawning, for, for good thoughts and hopes and stuff. So she plays a pretty cool part, even if it doesn't seem significant in the, the larger um, you know, story of the game. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. Mrs. Ivan, you want to take the first card? You know it. All right. Our first card is Just Another Day at the Tower. The arched eyebrow spoke volume. Eva Levante grinned, threatening to break through her deadpan. The request was simple enough, a shader to commemorate the end of the Ziva incident. Zavala's color suggestions, though. Her companion held up the cloth, a ghastly combination of fluorescent yellow and blood red that would have hurt the eyes even if it wasn't laid against a particularly nauseating set of stripes. Test side. He can make the hive quake in fear, but that man shouldn't be within 10 meters of a designer table. The two women were still laughing when a shudder rocked the tower. They turned as one in the direction of the far-off sound that followed, a roaring noise neither of them had heard before. The PA blared in the small utility room they'd claimed as a lounge. Evacuation Order 77 is in effect. This is not a drill. All civilians report to designated evacuation areas immediately. Tess was at the door, palming it open when another explosion much closer shook them where they stood. Smoke and screams floated down the hallway. Eva's memories of what followed were disjointed. She was running with Tess, grasping for breath. She remembered murmuring the names of her cousins, worrying about them down in the city. She was in a large crowd now. Tess was falling behind as Eva was crushed forward. Another explosion and a fire door slammed shut. Tess was gone, and Eva found herself with about 30 people in a small cargo bay between North Tower and the Hall of Guardians. A man was trying the far door, shouting that it was sealed. Then the roof came down as a large fear crashed to the decks. Cabal clamored from the pod, struggling against their bulky armor as they began to fire at the civilians. That's when a dazzling blast of energy took them from behind. The shouting was enough for ten men. 
and when Eva could see again, only one massive guardian was there, ending a cabal soldier with a blade as long as she was tall. The helmeted face of Lord Shax turned this way and that, taking in the room. Two quick strides brought him to her side, and with a surprising gentleness, he helped Eva to her feet. Madam, he intoned, as she could feel the bass of his voice in her chest, I need your help. At his instance, she took charge of the civilians as he took point of their little group. With the confidence and looming presence of the crucible master at her back, it was effortless to keep the others quiet and focused. When they reached an evac site, a trio of anxious-looking hawk pilots waited with their craft. As the last of the group climbed aboard, Shax laid a heavy hand on her shoulder. He towered over her as he, sim- as he said simply, Comrade. And then he was gone, back towards the fighting, his massive sword slung over his shoulder. Eva's last view of the tower as her hawk pulled away was ruin and flame. Nice read. Yes, so I love this card for multiple reasons. Number one, because we get an everyday civilian's view of the start of the Red War. If you couldn't tell, this is exactly when the Cabal first, you know, make that rush on the tower and attack everyone. And second, the fact that Lord Shax comes busting through with Ray's Lighter, one of my favorite exotics in Destiny 1. Yeah, if you remember back to the very beginning of D2, he had our sword on his back. When we ran through the hallway, he was with a group of people. So I wonder if this was part of that group. That makes me think, because I don't remember ever seeing Eva or if this was a separate group. He could have gone for more uh, civilians. Well, I think Eva would have been in a different group that we saw him in, because when we actually saw him, Eva wasn't a part of that group. And as far as this card goes, Shax left Ava's group. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's the same group either. I think we would have noticed Eva in the in that yeah. group. But... I personally like the beginning of this card. Like the drama of the card, the you know, amazing wording that really helps you see all of the uh what's going down. It's it's great. I don't I don't want to lessen that, but I'm sorry, as a female, particularly one who has her shoes lined up by color in her closet. Um, I really appreciate the beginning of this card. Uh, the fact that he shouldn't be allowed within 10 meters of a designer's table. It's just... it's true. <laughs> His colors are odd, man. It's, it's true. Know? If you look at any of the Vanguard shaders, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> he should be and fired. it's funny because, you know, you guys saying it's true. It's funny that the game is almost... Or, you know, taking this lore card to poke fun at the fact that they understand that these ones look awful. His like... colors are a crazy combination, man. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. as I was reading through it, that's what I really liked about the card. Watermelon would... shader, anybody? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, there's worse shaders. Colors, all right? The no, first but cold the shader... ever made, I accidentally picked out those colors, not realizing it. <laughs> the shader is not even like. I don't even know what it reminds me of. It's just not not appetizing, man. There's some really bad <laughs> shaders in Destiny 2, that's for sure. But there are some really beautiful ones, too. I there mean. are a couple. They're getting better. The new red and black ones are my favorite. The problem is like when there's only a handful of decent ones, so everyone looks the same, you're just like... Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could go into a whole other shader conversation. <laughs> that would, yeah, I have thoughts on shaders too. I like the new shader system, but sometimes I miss the old one. Uh, one of the things I noticed is the this this literally this kind of for for timeline of D one D two, they're making this shader to commemorate the end of the Siva incident, which had just happened um, in Rise of Iron in D one. So it sounds like they probably only had a short period of time to celebrate before um, this really happened. And I think it's been rumored that basically the time between the, the real time between Rise of Iron to the release of like D two, what was that? Some months. I think that's supposed to have been like the rumored in game time that has actually passed. Yeah, that sound right. Yeah, okay, I wasn't sure if I was the only one. But um, yeah, it's pretty quick. I like how they're like celebrating, and it's like next thing you know. Bam, Siva conflict over. We have no idea what's happening now. Just drop pods coming in. Siva conflict is over. Now there's a new one. Next card is Loss of Light. Valentina and her son Louis, Peregrine District, apartment block 10, fourth floor. It's the one. An explosion nearby cut her off, but she shouted into the comms until all into the comms unit all the louder. It's the one with the green awning, please. The voice of the militia woman on the other end of the line was emotional. I'll send a unit, but ma'am, the fighting all across the district is... Did I not give you my tower clearance code? Eva's own voice scared her. A whip crack of anger. A pause on the other end. Yes, ma'am. I'll go myself. How's he out? Eva slumped back against the wall of the... She raised her head to look around. Must have been a bakery at one point. Now the little cafe tables were barricading the doors and the counter's glass case had been smashed into a far wall with the display racks. The militia exo she'd borrowed the comm units from snapped off another few shots over the half wall that remained on the shop's exterior. They looked back in her direction, anxious. Can you fire a weapon? Her helpless look must have been an answer because they reached out for the comms unit. She slid it across the floor, and they quickly punched in a sequence of codes. Another blast nearby caused the other civilians in the room to whimper and moan with fear. The exo barked into the unit. We need guardian support. Corner of the 1400-blocked anchor district. I have a large number of civilians here, and our position is being overwhelmed. They punctuated their transmission by leaning out and firing off another half-dozen shots. Cabal roared back in animal fury. It wasn't more than two minutes before Eva heard it. The distinctive sound of a sparrow running full out. She dared to gather herself into a half crouch and peer out of the building. She was watching just in time to see a pair of them, a hunter and a warlock, descend on the invaders like vengeful angels. These two were professionals, she could tell. No swagger to them. They were efficient and deadly and the soldiers began to fall back. Something happened. Eva couldn't see what it was. Both of the guardians reeled. The warlock dropped to one knee like his strings had been cut. The hunter shook her head and raised a hand in the air, a distinctive signal calling for the light. But nothing happened. The cabal, like they'd been waiting for this moment, struck hard. The hunter was bowled over by a charging centurion and crushed underfoot. The warlock didn't seem to even really recover, and he fell to the ground, riddled by the weapon fire of a dozen soldiers. The Exo was standing fully upright now, shocked, 
And even as Eva opened her mouth to tell them to get out, they fell, a sniper's target. One of the men retched in the corner, horrified. Eva gave herself no time to think. She snatched the comm unit from the ground and pushed past the civilians to a far window. She used the reinforced case to smash out the glass and began hoisting children through once the largest shards were cleared of the frame. She was the last out of the building, and a few stray bullets plucked at the wall near her as she made her escape. They didn't stop running until they were sure no one was following. She had no idea which district they were in, no clue even what the building used to be. Much of the orderly streets and well-tended boulevards she knew had become a maze of debris. The last safe city, a maze of collapsed and ruined structures. The children were huddled up in a great pile as the older folk talked quietly among themselves. Everyone was crying, on and off, but they tried desperately to keep it quiet. A high-pitched chirp across the comm unit startled Eva, and she slammed her head back against the wall behind her. She hadn't even realized she still had it. She reached down and keyed the pad. A hushed voice said, Ma'am? Her own voice low and shockingly gruff, she answered, This is Eva Levante. Is this Tozy? They paused. Tozy's dead. She wanted me to make sure someone got back to you, though. Another long pause. Eva fought the urge to scream. I'm sorry, Mrs. Levante. Block 10 is just gone. I think some of the automated defenses managed to come online early in the fighting, and one of their comm ships must have crashed. Eva didn't hear the rest of the words. That's a powerful card. Like, just taking Ava's character into consideration. I mean, she's going through, and these Guardians just lost their light. And they just realized it. And she watched, what was it, two of them die? Yeah. Right in front of her. You know, it, it's their final death. And her first instinct is to get the kids out. It, it really says something about her character. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just the fact that she was on the comms trying to get people out of an apartment block district, just sending help there. We don't exactly know what happened. I can assume maybe her hawk has been shot down at this point, but she's just trying to get help from the comms unit before they finally call in guardians. And then maybe just when they see they see two guardians come in, and like she said, she said these were professionals. She probably is thinking to herself, you know, we're good to go. Everything's safe. Next thing you know, this is when they lost their light. They get gunned down. People have never seen Guardians die. Well, probably not the everyday citizen. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, and then next thing you know, the only other uh, militia uh, members they have are gunned down. And yeah, she just, I just love that she takes it upon herself as an, you know, an older lady just to straight break through a window and just get everyone out before herself. So definitely speaks to her character. What I'm getting from this is it looks like the people she's actually discussing in the very beginning of this are potentially the cousins that she refers to in the card beforehand, especially uh, when I look at the next card we're reading. It looks like they're not just random, you know? Yeah. I think these are family members. So that's obviously what I got first out of it um, is that, you know, she's incredibly worried because it shows us in the other card that that's kind of one of the first things that... Um, comes to mind uh so i don't know it's just it's really it just kind of like shakes you a little at the end when basically she hears the news that they're they're gone 
And then mm-hmm. it literally just says, like, she didn't hear the rest of the words. Like, I don't know. It's like she's already seen all of this nonsense go down at the tower. Now she's trying to help all these other people. She's then seen these two guardians killed in front of her, which is not a normal sight. And, like, she is still able to rally after all of this and still able to do what she knows how to do best, which is fight and defend. And it's just kind of like that's the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Like, she just she just couldn't anymore. Like, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's panic at this point. Yeah. Fight or flight instincts. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, it's definitely something that we can pro- we can relate to. We might not always relate to being able to be indestructible as guardians, but you know, we live in a world where this kind of stuff actually does happen. So I can just imagine what that's like. Yeah, I mean, they set the tone for you know a war zone very well. Yeah, uh, sure. But not even just a war zone. You know, the way she's taking care of kids. You know, it makes me think of all of those. You know, different stories we hear about you know, teachers saving the lives of, like, children during mass shootings and stuff like that. So you're right. I mean, you know, it's a it's a very relatable card, and I think that's why it kind of shook me a little more than most cards do, just because it's something I can read and actually, like, really feel the emotion to. So I was saying, Eva Levante is definitely a relatable character, and I think she has an important part in Destiny always, but these cards really, like, give her more meaning than just a tower vendor she's been for so long. That was a pretty heavy card. I was, was not fully expecting that. I will be covering the next card. It's Hiding at Home. Ava checked the time on the small comms unit she clutched to her chest. It seemed impossible, but it had been under two hours since she'd been sitting and laughing with Tess. Time had stretched for her like the taffy candies some of the vendors sold during the dawning festival. She would have sworn it was days ago, longer than that, when she'd been sitting in her cousin's flat, hugging Valentina, saying goodbye to Luis. Ava, we don't owe them anything. A gruff cough. One of the the other civilians. Everyone's voice was a grinding imitation of itself. Ash filled the air and no one could clear their throat. Ava clasped a rag to her mouth as she answered, croaking, How dare you? Her voice rose with her anger. Your whole life, they've kept you safe, and now you want to just abandon them? The subject of their dispute lay collapsed on the floor of the warehouse. A quartet of guardians, all of them wounded and bleeding, from within their flamboyant armor. Even as she weighed the future of their little band, she couldn't help but appreciate their fashion sense. The hunter, of course, had put in the most effort. The man arguing with her was paunchy and fashion illiterate, wearing a bland functionary uniform, part of the consensus staff. He scowled at her and grated out, We can barely move the lot of us around, let alone all of us and a bunch of wounded, powerless guardians. Why should we risk our... You don't think they've risked their lives a hundred times over for you? She pulled the rag away from her face and coughed a mess of phlegm and ash to the side. Her mother would have died all over again of shock. We have to keep them moving. 
We have to keep them with us, and we have to hold out. Whatever this is, it's temporary. He grimaced, but she pressed on. When they regain their light, they'll... Her diatribe was cut short by a blast of static on the comm unit, so loud she dropped it on the floor. The reinforced case took the blow, and so everyone around clearly heard the deep voice of Commander Zavala when he began to speak. Citizens of the last city, hear my words. Like a people dying of thirst, the civilians moved in to circle the comm unit. Zavala had been a pillar, a beacon of hope all their lives. Surely he would... We are abandoning the city. We have evacuated everyone we could, but the Cabal now hunt guardians in the streets. If you are able, you should make for the wilds. Ava felt as if she'd been physically struck. The Cabal have affixed a device to the Traveler and severed our connection to the light. We cannot hold the city, and we cannot protect you. There was a long pause, as if he was weighing his words carefully. When he spoke again, Zavala sounded very, very tired. We are setting a rally point elsewhere in the system. Watch for a broadcast. We will return to the city someday, but I do not know when. Another pause. Be safe. Be brave. And he was gone. To their credit, the group did not yell or shout. Even though it had only been a matter of hours, they were all alive because they'd learned not to give away their position. They did cry, though. Tears streaked trails down their faces, covered in ash. Those faces looked from one to another as they sought to understand, to comprehend. Ava did not cry. As she stared at the comms unit, all she could think about were Zavala's shoulders. She had often joked with him about the size of the pauldrons on his armor, that massive protective plate on his left shoulder. And now, for some reason, she thought she understood the weight on his shoulders. Ava stood, and all eyes turned to her. She flinched a little. Then, choosing her words carefully, most of them are leaving, so we have to help them. She gestured at the guardians. If we can keep them alive, they can protect us. Keep us safe. She looked around the group, found people nodding. Where do we go? One woman asked. Ava looked back down at the comms unit. The cabal will have heard that. They'll be watching the walls, expecting us to try to leave. She looked up, out at the room. So we stay here. We make for the edge of the city and try to find somewhere the cabal won't expect us to be. The seamstress reached down and pulled up the comms unit, slinging it over her shoulder. Everybody up. It's a long way to Twilight Gap. I like this card. I like the insight it shows us into Eva. Um, especially that last sentence there. Basically showing that this was just not a position she was ever meant to hold. 
She was not supposed to be helping refugees out of a city that was just war-torn. I mean, it literally specifically says the seamstress. You know, I mean, look, I, I sew. And no one would ever want me to be the seamstress leading them out of a city. So <laughs> it's kind of how I picture it. Um, it's, it's a little ironic. I'm actually sitting here at my computer next to my sewing machine and reading about this seamstress. Uh, one of the other things I really like about the card is, again, another point of insight. Um, because she is the shader's vendor and she is a seamstress and we see her in the first card, you know, looking at that particular shader and joking about the poor colors we see how she really does kind of look at people through what they wear because that is what she does and that's how she identifies and uh you know she identifies the the hunter as being you know more extravagant <laughs> than the others she you know and it's Made not just the, yeah i loved that um, yeah it's not just in that top part, too. It even goes down to later talk about Zavala and, you know, his armor and how she used to joke with him about his armor and what he wore. So you can tell that this was something that she, like, I mean, again, I, I, I sew, but from what I can see about her here is, like, she was on a seamstress on, like, this crazy level of, like, this was, like, her life. This is what she did. Like, th th this is what I'm, like, learning about her is, like, this was something very woven into the fabric of her if we will make a slight oh. pun <laughs> although i apologize because if you listen to episode five elemis was supposed to get the first pun in 2019 oh it's all good <laughs> that, oh, that pun that pun was so good that i i'm letting it slip oh good okay but um but yeah nice. so i mean just as um you know from a female perspective obviously that's what i get but uh but then also, like I said, on top of that, you know, going so far as to just, I don't know, see her character. You know, I think that's one of the things that we keep circling back to. Um, and I'm kind of rambling at this point. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, it's just it's another card that shows more layers of her, more depth to her, who she used to be and who she kind of now has to pick up and be because of the situation she's in. So yeah. I'm stop talking. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, I just also appreciate how intelligent she is. Um, you know, this person wanted to just leave this Guardians here um, just to die. And I love how she acknowledged that, okay, maybe these Guardians can't come back to life anymore, but they still have tons of fighting experience. If we can keep them alive, they can protect us, which is just smart, you know? Um, yeah. They Not to just intelligence, them. but character. Again, another yeah, well, layer to her. Of course, well, compassion. You know fact that she actually sees the guardians as people whereas a lot of people just see us our guardians as just like these military machines you know yeah. so that just but showed just... her character as seen them as people but just her her forethought to think you know <clears throat> we could use these people to help us you know we need to show them concern they can reciprocate that back um and yeah, then that and not, she quickly made a plan as as people but I think her ability to see, you know, they've helped us for so long. Who were we to just leave them now? You yeah. know, I mean, almost kind of like we're so indebted to them. How dare you? That's what I was about to bring up. Um, I mean, Hyven originally said, you know, it, that she's intelligent for it. And I'm like, it, that 
No, I, I originally saw that as just pure loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, Guardians have fought to protect the city for God knows how long. Yeah, of course. Well, no, yeah. I definitely got that no. thought at the, at the very beginning. Yeah, you but know, no, I that... totally agree with you as well, though, Hyven, on the intelligence side of it, because that's something I didn't think of. Um, like, I just oh, want to confirm that, like, that's actually a really great point, just because you're right. I mean, just think of, like, the the knowledge that they have. It's, it, it, it's similar to how you don't just, I mean, some people do, unfortunately, but you don't just throw away an elderly one. Like, they have that wisdom, they have that knowledge that you can learn from, um, you know, and and it's kind of that that same sense is you know they have all of that like military and tactical experience maybe yeah. they can't go out and do it right now but they can teach somebody else or yeah and well at first you know at first i did totally see of course the compassion when she's arguing with this dude like how dare you we can't just leave them they have done so much for us but i was talking more specifically right there at the end after hearing this information just they were fighting about leaving them she says choosing her words carefully most of them are leaving, as she gestures to the guardians, and she says, so we have to help them. We can keep them alive. They can protect us, keep us safe. So even if it was just a smart way of convincing the people to save these lives, she was intelligent enough and compassionate enough that she acknowledged that guardians had more worth than just a shield and yeah. that there weren't going to be a lot of guardians. So not only was this just the right thing to do, um, you know, she was able to frame it in a way that showed it was beneficial. This was an opportunity that they could use. So I just kind of like that also because, like you said, she's a seamstress. She sounds like more like a tactician at this point. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. And can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that she immediately sees people for how fashionable they are <laughs> and flamboyant all them hunters right yeah i love how she's talking about their bleeding and their flamboyant armor is that what she said it, yeah uh, yeah yep. bleeding from within their flamboyant armor yeah i loved that and when and, i heard well, yeah i then, almost laughed while you were reading the uh and, hunter and then the fourth buff effort she immediately judges the person who's arguing to leave them that's true that's and true. she's like he is the most bland, functionary uniform I've seen. Fashion it. illiterate. Yeah. Fashion illiterate. And, you know, it's funny because it almost and, – and don't get me wrong. I, I think she was totally right to just call him out and be like, shut up. But it's funny because it's almost like his point was less valid than somebody who would have said it, who had a fashion sense. It's almost like she would have listened right. to them just a hair more. <laughs> but I also think – yeah, like it's definitely that's definitely comical. But, Sure, but almost the fact that not just that it was just because they had no fashion sense, I just kind of loved that she kind of was able to, you know, it showed that, like, the clothing matters, that she acknowledged that he was wearing the bland uniform of the consensus, which is basically just the bureaucrats. They He was consensus staff. Those are the, you know, the speaker, the consensus, the people up in their rooms just talking. Um, She acknowledged that he was wearing this bland uniform. He was a bland, by-the-book kind of person. You know, he wasn't thinking about people, so... I just like yeah. how she was able to combine um, the fashion sense with like these people's personalities and who they were. Yeah, but it's funny because just like you said, um, you know, 
appearances matter. It's kind of funny to me because it, again, it has such a real world application to it because as, as I'm thinking and looking through it, you know, it's kind of that like if I was to go in and get my taxes done, I'd be much happier handing over my stuff to somebody who's maybe in nice slacks and a nice top, like not even saying you got to dress to the nines to do my taxes, but you come in and Daisy Duke shorts and a crop top, I'm probably not going to trust you as much. I like, I just... Um, I'm not going to hand you over all of my documents, <laughs> but you know, so it's, it's funny because it's, it's got such a real world application here. Um, you know, appearances kind of do matter. We're more, more likely to trust the person who's, who's dressed for, I don't know. Dressed for success. success. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be an individual and expressing yourself in your clothing. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason we all wear a certain, you know, type of clothing to work. There's a reason, you know, certain places like uniforms True. because you're just, you just come across that. Like if I, if I went to an office job, like I said, dressed in Daisy Dukes, everyone would be like, I don't, what is this? What? No, <laughs> like. That's just not how you should present yourself. But that wouldn't show your ability, right? Yes, exactly. People might take you serious. And, and, you know, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong that people judge based off of appearances. But it's just kind of funny how, whether we're in the real world or in the destiny world, it matters. (laughs) Right. This is going to be a, we're starting a little side podcast called Guardians of Fashion. Yes. Um, I'll have that up. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I actually have heard people who have had, like, there's been podcasts and there are people who have, like, a fashion corner about Destiny and talk about how armor and the clothing of Destiny represent different characters and stuff. You know, we just heard about how the armor of Zavala kind of plays to him. So it is a whole topic, and you could I go mean, down don't and act like that's all. not something you'd be a part of. There are so many times when you're like, so should I pick this one or should I pick this one? Yes, <laughs> no, I have been wait, known. Look at this third option. Which one do you think looks the most okay, I don't like the armor. <laughs> At least for my Titan one, on in Destiny too, too much. Yeah. One, and I'm like, wait, wait, go to that two, one. Like that one looks pretty cool. And he's like, no, 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 that one's really ugly. You don't. It like it looks like a cool shader, but then I put it on and it does these weird things to my armor. Like, like these are the conversations in our house. That's why I'm a true guardian. I get tired of looking ugly and I'm like, you know what? I got good perks, but now I need a good looking armor set with you a proper shader. Flamboyant armor. It's important, man. It's How important. to make Eva happy. Yeah. Watermelon shader. <laughs> oh, my God. Atlantis wash? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Well, I suppose we should move on to... The- oh, and also the fact that she's going to Twilight Gap. Can we acknowledge that? That was a oh my God, battleground. Yes. Like, that is probably a wasteland. I mean, we've had crucible maps there. There's, like, nothing there. Like, that's genius. She went to an old battlegrounds there, Mrs. Hyven, if you're not used to. Twilight Gap is an old war zone. One of the birthplaces of Galarhorn. Yes. I would suspect nothing less but genius from her at this point. Um, she's, she, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm, just, I'm blown away from these cards. Honestly, I'm telling you, we've been, what, three cards in? The amount of layer and depth and character, like, I've already gotten to this person. It's it's one of my favorite things about being basically, like, the the newbie's perspective on our podcast, I guess. Um, Just because you guys are already coming in with all these preconceived notions, and you guys are already coming. I mean, you came in with 
her voice sounds old and creepy. You know, <laughs> like just... <laughs> you had preconceived things about her. I have nothing. Yeah. So I'm getting to build my whole perspective based on these super in-depth cards. Um, and not to say that in the story you don't get a ton of, or in the game you don't get a ton of information on people, but I really do feel like these these cards just really build a person, you know, and you can really get so much from them. And it's one of my favorite things about the game. Like, obviously, I'm not a gamer, but the fact that Destiny does this is just kind of, I don't know, I love it because I, I, I'm such a words person and I love uh, just learning more about their story this way and, and this conversation that we get to have. And and so for me personally, just three cards in and I'm already feeling like I've, I've learned and can yeah. almost kind of shape this person. And I'm, I'm excited to learn more. I mean, this is new for us. We have not really had a lot of information on Eva up until these cards. So. Except for her yeah. creepy voice. Well, there's like a very little bit, but yeah. Just kidding. Well, we'll be here all night if we talk just about the fashion. So I suppose right. we should move on to the next card so we can get the full story. Sounds good. All right. So the next one is the new normal. Just getting to the outskirts of the city was an ordeal. Every day they saw the cabal's control tightening. Civilian groups where the odd guardian tried to make a break for it, only to be brought down by a swarm of ships hungry for a kill. The streets were no safer, with patrol moving in tandem and tanks rumbling through district centers. Years of supporting the Guardians, of listening to their idle chatter, had filled Eva's head with details about these horrific invaders. She realized they were doing rigid block-by-block sweeps, unimaginative and plotting, just as described at the Tower. The group hid and observed and moved only when the cabal did. In that careful manner, they arrived at the far reaches of the city, parts long abandoned, where humanity was just a shadow cast upon the walls. Eva found herself in consultation every day, organizing, forging, sorry. Eva found herself in consultation every day, organizing foraging patrols back towards the center. Evenings were spent suggesting strategies for the upcoming days. And to her great satisfaction, she spends nights sitting with a needle and a thread, trying to make sure the survivors would stay warm on the move. As the three guardians recovered, they lost the Titan on the way to the gap. They started offering more guidance. At their suggestion, the survivors never stayed in the same place more than a day or two. They posted lookouts every night and turned on the comms unit only every other day to listen for broadcasts, for, trans -trans for chance transmissions, for hope. Eva was there in the room when the guardians heard Zavala's voice. His short, terse statement played over and over. If there is any light left in the system, we rally on Titan. She shut the door so the other civilians wouldn't hear and listen, and listened as if they had it. She shut the door so the other civilians wouldn't hear and listened as they had it out. The other warlock, Tam, identified herself as Trina's sister. They were adamant that they try, somehow, to get off-world and head for Titan. The hunter, Ramos, was just as adamant that they stay. 
The decision wound down and came to a slow stop with all three guardians looking at her. She held up her hands and said, I trust you all to do the right thing. They stayed and quickly became integral to the success of their operation. What had begun as simple survival became an organized effort to evacuate civilians from the last city. Foraging parties inevitably came back with more people than they left. Scouting parties probed the edges of the city and found avenues of escape, places where the cabal were lax in their patrols. Eva found that the same skills she used to plan holidays at the tower were, in out, were invaluable in organizing this underground movement. She cobbled together boards from old classrooms to create a schedule and wrote on the backs of old forms and newsletters to make delivery packages of civilians and the occasional lightless guardian. Day in and day out, this became her quiet routine. She faded into the background of the underground, plan, move, so repeat. Even when contact was finally made with the farm and getting survivors to the EDZ became the goal, Eva was always there, making sure the trains ran on time. After some thought, she asked that her role not be spread around. She got word to people like Tess that she was alive, and that was enough for her. She had the chance to get out of the city dozens of times. But every time she thought she'd take that exit, go with that convoy, she stopped herself, settled back, did the work. That was how the months of the Red War passed. For Eva Levante. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a good uh, one. So yeah, we have just, of course, the monotony of trying to survive as they get there. Um, I like that we learned that three of the four guardians um, recovered, and as we hear that they were actually helpful, giving them a lot of insight. As we had said, um, was great thinking by her, and um, just the fact that. I love that the when the three guardians couldn't agree, they like looked to her for advice. Like that shows that she had played an important role in like their survival. You know, not just keeping everyone warm, but people had acknowledged that she like, you know, I'm I would assume that she probably aided in the recovery of these guardians the most, being as she was the one who took it upon herself, you know, to to help them. So I'm sure that they trusted her and. I just like that they acknowledged, because what, what did we have? It was a two to one between the Guardians and the fact that her, like, tying vote to stay actually, like, kept him there. I think that's pretty powerful. And, of course, the fact that she, you know, I like that um, Zavala, uh, the, when we started saving people and doing stuff, um, we got, when Zavala made that announcement that any guard or anyone who still has light to return to, you know, to Titan to fight, you know, that was just a, a cool recognition. It gives us a good time frame of when this was happening. And just, you know, I like, I like, I love having uh, moments in these cards that help us to appreciate like the timeline. You know, some time had passed and that this was like when the, they were, um, an effort was being mounted to like fight back. You know, guardians and people were going to the EDZ, going to the farm, and yet she's still staying here on the outskirts. As it said, she keeps finding more, more lost people when she sends out surging parties. And foraging parties and stuff. So I just really appreciated her role in this and how we can see the progression through the war. I love this one. Like, love this one. 
I don't know. I think I'm beginning to love this character even more because I'm seriously just seeing like myself <laughs> in this character. Um, I love that. Kind of an old lady. I am. I'm an old lady. <laughs> the old seamstress. <laughs> That's totally her. But I love it because it says, and to her great satisfaction, she spent her nights sitting with a needle and thread, trying to make sure the survivors would stay warm on the move. I mean, just the care that she has. First of all, like she's doing so many crazy things that are just not her norm, that it's almost like it was just kind of like a moment when she could just sit down and breathe and come back to like her normal, kind of come back to her center, regroup, and just for like a hot second have some normalcy for her, like what she knew, what was second nature. And in doing that, she was providing yet another way that she was taking care of these people, um, which again, just another layer of her character that's super baller. And then like that, that sentence, I don't know if you can hear it as I read it, but in that sentence, I smiled pretty hard. But then as I continued down, what also then made me smile was how she found her skills of organization to be invaluable. Yeah. Um, and how they I transferred like over. You know, because it's funny, because, like, again... It's Nobody notices seeing... the party planner, right? Yeah, but again, it's me seeing myself in this. You know, just like you said, nobody notices the party planner. Nobody notices the assistant. I mean, half the time people walk into my office when they think I just sit there and literally answer the phone. But no, it's like I'm what keeps my boss running half the time, you know? And so it's funny because it's just like I see this and I'm like, God, that's me, you know? Like you really do. You have all these little skills that you don't realize how transferable they are throughout life. And so it's just funny because as I read that, I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of funny. Like, I just kept seeing myself more in her. And uh, not that I could ever, you know, lead a, a refugee, like, camp because that's just <clears throat> not probably going to be my thing. And hopefully I'm never in that you, situation. The, you wouldn't be good with the fighting, but she wasn't either. But I feel like, you know. That's true. I could totally organize some totally stuff. You give me a couple of whiteboards and I got that. <laughs> Give me some charts and some. And she, yeah. it shows how important it shows that she's genuine. That she listens. She knows all kinds of stuff about the cabal because she's been listening to Guardians yeah. for years. Exactly. She didn't just ignore yeah. our stupidity. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she's just she's intelligent. You know, it's like you said. Nobody notices the party planner. Everybody kind of talks to them, and it's funny because it's like at my job, you know, sitting up front, you just kind of be this person that everyone just like spews like their nonsense at. And you're like, why are you telling me I'm a complete stranger? But it's almost kind of like she had the same experience. Like she was just this person that everyone looked at as like a little worker bee and they would just randomly say stuff to her. And clearly she took it all in and now is using it to be kind of a badass. Not even kind of, she is. Let's, we're just going to put it out there. Oh yeah. I just, I just love this card. I just love this character. Like, I'm falling you didn't know you were gonna get into this, this character. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was like, I don't even know who this really is. Like, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit before, and now I'm just like sitting here. Like, you guys are listening to me in the moment, fall in love. So, <laughs> firsthand, oh <my. laughs> I'm gonna just girl crush on Eva Levante over here because we're so the same person. <laughs> Any thoughts, Elemist? <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was covered. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Um, the only comment I have is R.I.P. Titan. Right? Because uh, he was defending them. Pour one out for the Titan. <laughs> for those who, who are listening and don't know, I main a Titan. So, like, that was... That felt like a personal blow to me. 
<laughs> yeah, I know that's the same thing I was thinking, and I was like, two warlocks. Oh, so much. Oh man. And a hunter. I mean, two warlocks of, and like, a hunter. And does nobody punch in that group? <laughs> There's a lot of impulse and a lot of conversation. But we hey, hey, warlock punch. <laughs> All right. In fact, I love to get some good melee going. It's when I All scream right, the most at my screen. <laughs> oh, I. <laughs> That's yeah. why you should no. You should totally be a titan. The way you play, <laughs> you exemplify titan like to the max, homegirl. <laughs> I guess I'll give it a shot one day. Yeah, yep. All right. Well, my other than the fact, just looks better. Okay. I mean, if see? we're getting into fashion See, here, my warlock it, just look better. I was just working on my hunter, and it took me a while to get like the proper set of armor. I looked like a fool for a while, but when I finally got <laughs> what I like, it looked good. <laughs> So but yeah, Mrs. the only Hyven. thing I had to note. Oh, go ahead. So, so Mrs. Hyven, your warlock looks better. Would a certain seamstress be proud of you? Oh, she would. Oh, she. Would. <laughs> I mean, right now, actually, I think when I was just playing, I was getting some new gear and I was trying to level up, so I was just throwing stuff on, you know, to like level myself up a little bit and and my light. But um, but I have this one set that is just. <sighs> You know, I mean, it can go from day to evening like that, and it just, just rock it. <laughs> so stupid, right? You never got past the leveling, so you not never really got to the part where you could have a set perfect piece of. You know, hey, no, armor. I do have a set. Okay, I have this one set, and I look, I look. You don't fuse into it after you get get I look there. Small, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, so we have that. Months have passed, so that's uh. Yeah. Once again, I like having a little bit of time frame, but yeah, she's almost like settled into this routine. Like comfortably. It's weird. No, another well. yes. Now that you say that, I'm sorry. One more point. Because <laughs> one more. it's <laughs> sorry. Because as like you said, she's settled into this routine. It's funny because like that's it's just like, yeah, like things start to become so routine to you. It's like it's like trying to delegate work like you're just like i might as well just do it myself now you know like i already know it better than anybody else i'll just i'll just stay here instead of going anywhere else and train like that's how she was she was just like it's whatever like i already know what i'm doing here let me just let me just stay and do it yeah (laughs) i mean it it literally said you know but every time she thought she'd take that exit or go with that convoy she stopped herself Sat back and did the work. Yeah. She's what people needed, man. All right. All right. Well, then I will take us on to our next card. The good fight. Abuela? Mama? It was quiet, almost a whisper, but enough to awake Eva. For a spinning, disoriented moment, she thought she was sitting in her living living room back in Peregrine District. Her favorite Afghan over the end of the couch and Carlos standing over her. But that wasn't Carlos. The concerned face of the hunter, Ramos, looked down at her. More than a few of the guardians that went through the underground had taken to calling her grandmother. Ramos had stuck with the group through all the long months of the war. He was very protective, sometimes smothering, and she sighed as as she rubbed at her eyes. I'm up, I'm up. What is it this time? She sat up on the old couch she'd been sleeping on, wincing as she tried 
sort the knot she developed sleeping on her side. Almost 0700. Almost 0700? His voice was low and a little sheepish. She glared at him. You were supposed to wake me an hour ago. His grin was lopsided. You needed the sleep. She stood carefully and tottered on unsteady legs, turning her face away so he couldn't see her annoyance. Are they waiting? They've only just arrived. One of the reasons I waited. They're not expecting you for another ten minutes, trying to justify himself. Eva sighed again. Thank you, Ramos. You're right. I did need the sleep. I was up again too late last night. Go tell them I'll be right down. Yes, ma'am. He sounded happier and his footfall and his footfalls as he left the room were light, confident. Eva stepped into the bathroom of the main living quarters of the second floor flat. Her morning routine sorted. She poured some water out of one of the ration canisters into the stoppered up sink so she could wash. Try to feel a little less like she slept on a half rotten couch in an abandoned building. Water dripping down her nose, she reached blind, blindly for one of the pieces of scrap cloth they used for towels and dried her face. When her eyes cleared, she found herself looking at a stranger. Eva had always been on the thin side. She could still remember her mother chiding her, telling her to eat and clean her plate. Now the woman staring back at her was positively gone. Bags under her eyes, hair chopped brutally short, and her clothes. The clothes she'd been wearing the day of the attack hadn't lasted two weeks, never intended for living rough. The homespun outfit she'd stitched for herself would never have passed muster back at the tower, but out here, they had to do. At least she'd been able to salvage her trademark shawl, something to remind her of better days. As she drifted into the living room, Eva reflected the better days, of course, where were why the group was gathered downstairs. All of the underground cell leaders gathered in one place for an important, perhaps final, conversation. For the underground, the Red War was a stunning victory. They'd won. The only civilians and guardians left in the city were those unwilling or unable to go. Eva frowned, saddened. Every few weeks, they had heard stories of a group of guardians overrun from a supposedly secure bunker by a legion assault. The loss of civilian life had been staggering, both in the initial assault and the intervening months. As she looked out into the street through a slit around the boarded up window, she had to admit to a feeling of satisfaction. Now, all that was left was for the underground itself to pull out, make for the farm, and the safety in numbers of Hawthorne's group. Eva raised her eyes from the empty streets of, to the distant sight of the tower, twisted and ruined. She would stay, she had decided. Guardians like Ramos could check on her from time to time. Someone needed to stay behind and keep the lights on. There could be refugees still out there, still hoping for a way out. She turned away from the window to head downstairs when the explosion ripped through the street in the front of the apartment, and Eva's world turned white. So Ramos has really taken to Ava. Like, he's calling her grandmother. 
I like that though because I like that it also not not to say that you're not liking it I really the way I just said that made it sound like you were saying it like a bad thing um I like it because it also then talks about um how she thinks like she kind of wakes up a little bit disoriented thinking back I like because not only is it filling a void for him I think it it kind of shows that it's filling a little bit of a void for her like in such a hard horrible time giving her this like personal connection of kind of family that she no longer has exactly i mean at the very beginning of the the red war she lost two of her family members now she's kind of taken up a guardian as a grandson yeah and one that she most likely nursed back to health too you know oh yeah she did yeah so yeah yeah it's, I was just going to comment on the fact that it sounds like they're having basically just a festival to kind of, I, I love that they're kind of, it sounds like they're celebrating, but not that the war is over, just the fact that they have finally gotten like so many people out of the city safely. So she says that the, for the underground, the Red War was a stunning victory. They'd won because basically the only people left in the city were guardians who were unwilling and unable to leave. Yeah. But I kind of just like that they were having the celebration of a victory. Not that the war was open, because if you notice, it said more and more people were going to um, the farm with Hawthorne's group. So it doesn't sound like maybe Hawthorne had even been part of, you know, like the, the insurgents, the resistance portion to go in and take the tower back. So I just like that they're having this little bit of a celebration even before the war's over. Um, just kind of nice to see a little bit of positivity yeah. there. I like the celebration, too, especially because it feels like it's very important, especially for her at this time. Um, you know, again, we know a lot of her identity is wrapped up in how she perceives others and herself in, in clothing. Um, and clothing. And it made me sad, honestly, reading this. Um, it, was, it was kind of a very, like, saddening moment as I sat here and listened to how she feels that she's She's changed. She's not what she wants to be. Her hair is not what it should be. You know, the bags on her eyes are not the norm. Um, and her clothes are just are just not her at all. Um, but, you know, she's living within the means that she has at this moment. And unfortunately, it just can't be up to the par that she was used to. And it just makes me sad because it makes me feel like, unfortunately, she's lost some of her outward identity. Yeah. Well, she's developed, like, this new identity, obviously. There's a lot of negativity going on, but I'm sure she's, you know, she's still kind of proud of their accomplishments. It's just looking at herself, she's she can tell oh, how much yeah. this war I mean, is taking a toll on her, you know. And it's like, I, I, yeah, and you know, as you say that, you know, she has, she really has developed a new identity in the fact that, you know, she says, you know, this would have never passed in the tower, but back in the tower, yeah. that was kind of all she was known for. Whereas for here, you know, she's known for so much more. Nobody's looking at her and going, wow, Eva, your clothes are like suck today. You know, they're thinking of how much she's cared for them and how much she's been there for them. Like she's actually not really known for her clothes with these people. Um, so, you know, yeah, she does have this new identity and her clothes maybe reflect who she's become here. But it still makes me sad that it's something that she used to take such pride in, you know, especially myself. I know on my down days, it's kind of like look better, feel better. Um, I can just kind of hold my head up high when I know I'm rocking like a really great outfit and I feel like she's that kind of person. And so I just feel like 
she needs that confidence boost. Like, I'm sure after the Red War was over, the first time she got to put on a good outfit, like, that. that <laughs> it just did like, wonders for her. Yeah, you know, as a female, you know, I just, I feel bad for her here. I really do. It's not just female. Like, anyone, everyone wants to look good and feel themselves, though. Do you guys know? Yeah. You? I mean, nobody, <laughs> yeah, maybe, depending on what your job is and what you're doing, you don't always pay attention to how you look. But this isn't just she was sad that her clothes looked bad. Like her, she was yeah, skinny. She had bags different. under her eyes. You know, when you look in the mirror and see that you have the person is are kind of like physically falling apart. Like that does something to you. It doesn't matter yeah. like if you have well, a sense of fashion elderly, or not. You know, like I don't know. It just it feels like like I know we see like She's not quite now. as old as Elemis. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But no, 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 no. I'm wow. Saying, <laughs> obviously she's not she's still kicking butt but you know what i'm saying it's kind of like this was possibly something that was she'll looming anyways you know certain changes in her life due to her age and now they've come so much faster like and i i don't know i just feel like she's had so much taken from her and it makes me yeah. sad well and like i see it more of physical changes because of the stress of the job that she's That's undertaken oh she's yeah had to take so it's oh yeah, it's a l- bunch of different things that are just compiling all together. Yeah, I mean it's crazy the way your body will react to stress. But it's almost I like. Oh, I was just gonna say I just like that this. It's almost like all these people have set into like a new role. It's not that they are just like fighting for their lives anymore. It's almost like they have set up this community. Like, they don't know that they're going back to the tower. It's almost as yeah. if they're like, we've lost the tower. The Cabals can have that. You know, the Cabal have that. And we are just going to, like, this is going to be our life. We're going to we take care of Yeah, like, they've really kind of yeah. almost settled into a life here for a little while. You know, the fact that they can bring all the different, like, leaders of all these different underground, like, areas. Just kind of come meet together at a central location. Like, they got trans, they got movement. They got, you know, planning. Like, they have a little bit of a society going. It's pretty cool. You know, but I didn't know all that as a, as the guardian who plays the game. You know, yeah. we were there fighting the bad guy. We made it safe for them to go home at the very end. But they made it safe for all the people while we were doing that. And that means something, I think. So, Well, and even then, for the majority of that time, we were off planet. Yeah. We were fighting on Titan, on Nessus, on Io. Yeah, we were all... So, it was Ava who was protecting the people on Earth. Very cool. Yeah, but I, I oh, she's about to do some more protection. Yeah, I was about to say I was like, I need us to get into the next card because this yep. left me on a cliffhanger. And clearly, their celebration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, yeah, I just I need to know what's a little ruined. I just right. I need to know what's happening. <laughs> well, let's talk about the last day. Ava, for the second time in as many minutes, shook her head and tried to understand where she was. There had been no warning. She'd heard a few seconds of a whining engine overhead, and then a massive explosion ripped through the street in front of the underground apartment. The blast had thrown her to the ground like a doll. Everything hurt. And from somewhere close by, she could hear the guttural shouting of Cabal soldiers. The distinctive sound of guardian weapon fire was answering. Someone was screaming. Without thinking, she was on her feet. 
lurching toward the far corner where her shotgun lay on a side table. Three steps, four, weapon in hand, and checked. Just in time as the apartment door flew open and a pair of scions stepped through. Weapons ready. Ava Levante, seamstress of the tower, would have been taken aback. The gaunt woman she'd just seen in the mirror had spent months dry-firing the weapon. Endless drills had trained her for action, and her first shot took the one on the right in the chest and blew him out of the room. It had not prepared her for the kickback, however, and she felt something crack in her arm as the weapon bucked against her. That flinch saved her life as she unwittingly pivoted to the side, narrowly avoiding shots from the other cabal creature. Roaring, she raised the weapon against her, and her answering blast threw him against the far wall. Breathing heavily, she reloaded the weapon with one hand and waited, listening. No more outside that she could hear. Fighting was fierce downstairs. They needed her. She stepped to the door, weapon outstretched. The sound of the war dog bursting through the apartment window was like another explosion. Ava whirled around as the scaly beast scuttled to the side, and another pair threw themselves from the hovering troop transport into the small living space. They landed with surprising grace, and three sets of hungry eyes stared at the seamstress. Drool smeared the floor as three sets of fanged mouths worked eagerly. Ava fired. The beasts charged. So first of all, there's a whole lot of ew going on in that last paragraph. <laughs> Just gotta say that. <laughs> Second of all, why do they keep doing this to me? I literally am just like, no comments. Let's move on. <laughs> like, you can't end it on that. But no, if we have to comment, which is kind of what we do, so I guess I will. <laughs> no, obviously, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's everyone's favorite part. Don't want to speak for everyone, but let's be honest. The badass wording here of Eva Levante, seamstress of the tower, would have been taken back. Like, just showing. Like, all of the cards have shown the shift right. from that girl laughing with Tess over colors and stripes all the way to, like, what we just read and the last, you know, card and everything and it referencing it. Like, we see such a change here. She is not just some seamstress of the tower anymore. Like, she is literally, like, the leader of the underground who has... One, like we said in the last card, you know, she they've they've won. They've gotten every refugee out that they could possibly find. Um, you know, she stays back just in case there's anybody else. But to their knowledge, there isn't anyone else who wants to leave that that needs their assistance. Like she has, I mean, she is she's what what is that? Vinny Vidi Vici or whatever. Come see conquer. Like she has done that. Like, and I apologize if I yeah. butchered that, but she has done that. Like, I mean, she has. Like, and it's she just, has. It's, I, I, she just, she blows me away. I'm sorry. Like, girl crushing hard here. She blows me away. Like, all I want to do. Yeah. What? With a shotgun, he said. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yes. But no, all I want to do is up. just like research this character and I just I don't know. I mean, I just I just good job, Destiny. Good good hey, job. You know what? You know, I think just commenting on you said that that you know, this is all really new for her. All these cards and stuff and a lot of people have commented on Destiny how it just doesn't have a lot of, you know, story or how we have all these characters with no backstory, no information. And there's always been sin, some, but, you know, the reason Cade was so loved was because he was the character that they built up and gave, like, the most information and backstory kind of for. And, you know, I think one of the big things moving forward is when they killed Cade, not only was it supposed to be a blow, but it was also an opportunity to them to fill this world with more yeah. characters. So I think this is just, you know, one example of them really taking a character who was nothing before as far as um, like information about and like who this person was and turn them into someone who was like awesome. We've been getting a lot about yeah. the queen. You know, there's books about the queen, about um, Prince Aldrin, you know, just the awoken, who they were, their lives before they were awoken. You know, we're just getting so much information about, you know, everyone. And I think this is just another great example about how Bungie are, they got some great story writers. And they're definitely taking some great steps to um, progress their story further. So they really are. Props like to Bungie. As, as hard as it was, like knowing Cade was gonna die because he really was my favorite. Like I will say, very, very gutsy move on their part, honestly. Just because, yeah, it's like you said, they they didn't have that crutch character, the easy character with the good story and 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 the good comedic timing that that always lended what they needed when they needed it, where they needed it. Um, and it really did. Yeah. I mean, it really kind of just blew up their story and made them have to focus on other things. And from what I can see from what we've been reading here and in the past, you know, they, they really are stepping up and, and meeting the challenge they gave themselves. Sure. Yep. And yeah. I just like that there we have this story. A lot of people want it in game, but there's no way you could put this much. Like, can you imagine if all these stories we've been going over were in the game? How many cutscenes? How much impossible amounts of money? You know, some people just play yeah. this game just to play. So, like, the people who want the story, it is there. It's kind of yeah. what our podcast is here for. But you know, go to if you play the game, go into your triumphs. Go to the lore tab, see all those books. Maybe you don't have them all, but then go to Ishtar Collective. Those books are all here you know we're reading a book right now this is the you know the evil levante book eva's journey you can find all these cards on ishtar and there's a lot of these stories for everyone so that's just a shout out for ishtar collective and go in and read this story because it's totally there it's just impossible to put all this detail in game well and and even then i mean these are just the lore books that's not even actually going into lore tabs on weapons and armor Oh, yeah. Or, you know, the, the story from the flavor text stuff. And it, so it's just, there's so much out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could dive in and get crazy, but I just, you know, for the average person, even if you don't have all the time to basically compile all this data of like different topics all over like flavor text and stuff, like they've compiled these stories into books. The books yeah. are a great place to start if you're not used to um, trying to do lore in game. Like video game lore and research and stuff. It's just it's one of those things. Like if you truly want it, it's it's there for you. I mean, and again, not that you hard. Know, Ishtar Collective. I mean, this is not something that we are going and looking so difficult. Like 
and trying to scour the internet to put these together. I mean, granted, shout out to Elemis for always putting together our notes. Um, but, you know, it, he's we've got the resources and it's just, yeah, I mean... I would I would hate for anybody to t- if anybody told me Destiny in our story I I would respond like sh- like Eva responds to the the fashionly challenged dude like just no how dare you no <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it we are building ourselves a little nor- lore nerd here I'm so happy I do no but it's just it's so true I I love I love literature yeah, and getting that kind of stuff, stuff though, you know and it's just no it's true though yeah I mean I and I've heard that. You know, ever since we even started dating and we, you would tell me about this game, like I, I've heard it about D1 and, and everything and it's just needing to, to put in a little bit of legwork. But, you know, they, it's come a long way where it's it's not even as much required legwork as it, as it used to be. Yeah, the and, um, books. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I don't know. It's just it's just it's really amazing to me as somebody who's kind of like a word nerd, um, which God, I six years ago when I never said that back in high school. So um, shout out to my literature teacher for making me like literature. And your age. <laughs> right. What'd you say? I said, and your age. Yeah. I'm six, five, five, six. Yeah. Whatever. I'm a baby. It's cool. Um, but, um, but no, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's crazy. It just, I, I mean, when we introduced her at the beginning of this podcast, we have what, like, in our notes, two two lines about her. So, I mean, you're right. Like, there just there wasn't, and and now there's this character that I've fallen in love with. So it really, yeah. This badass old lady. Yeah, right. She's that old lady that's covered in tats. <laughs> right. You guys want to just move into the next card then? Yeah. Yeah. Because I need to know what happens after the beast charged. Okay. All right, then why don't you go ahead and read that one? Okay. Our next card is Caretaker. <clears throat> that will be our fabulous reader. Eva Levante stood leaning against the ivy-covered outer wall of the barn, gazing down into the football field at the farm. The old nets were slack now, needed to be rehung. No one came by who cared enough to restring them, and the farm's current inhabitants were not the sporty type. Beyond the field were the rolling hills of the European dead zone, and on the horizon, the twisted ruin spur that was the shard of the traveler. Her first days back on her feet, recovering from the attack at the apartment, she'd stared in wonder at that view. Now she watched the clouds idly roll and collect around the shard board. Eva smiled and shifted her weight off the wall and onto the carved cane that kept her upright. To think after everything that happened, she could be bored. Her first days at the farm had been a whirlwind of medical treatments rushed through by attendants already on their way out as she was coming in. It had been the final days of the Red War, a major operation planned to retake the city. One old woman coming in from the underground was a low priority. And in the commotion, even the old friend she'd hoped to see had missed her. Now she was alone, or mostly alone. She turned her head to see the cryptarch, got it, Tyra Karn, chattering away with the farm's postal frame. 
With primary operations returned to the city, Darby had become Tyra's unofficial research assistant. Together, they continued to study and examine humanity's history through the lens of the dead zone. The sideline from the term oil at the tower Tyra was apparently only too happy to claim. The scout, Devram, came by every once in a while for a chat as well. When he was feeling cheeky, he referring to their little group as the Old Hands Club, usually smirking over the top of a cup of tea. Both still had official jobs to do, of course, and they took their roles very seriously. Eva was at the farm very unofficially. Her role at the tower had never been one vital to operations, of course, but no one had rushed to ask her back to the market either. Tess and Banshee had reached out once in a while, and she'd given advice on how to set up their new space. But Eva was here at the farm for the lost. They trailed into the place in ones and twos. They all shared something in common. The shard hadn't connected with them. They came to sit and stare at it, off in the distance, to talk about how hard the Red War had been, as unpowered guardians, some forced by circumstance to literally sit on the sidelines. When the light had returned, some of them reported that it felt different. It sat under the skin like a suit that didn't quite fit anymore. A diminutive exo woman was one of the pilgrims Eva remembered most clearly. She hadn't even known they made exos that short. The woman shifted and twitched as she talked, unable to calm herself. At the mention of the light fitting differently, a statement she'd heard a lot of guardians make, Eva asked the same question she always did. So does that mean the light is different now? Or are you? The exo stopped and narrowed her eyes, thinking. She was stock still for the first time since arriving at the farm. That was usually how it went. Sometimes asking the question was all it took to get them sorted out. Others took a lot longer, sometimes spending weeks at the farm, just doing as Eva was, staring up at the shard. Some, some came to the farm, found no answers, and left on foot walking toward the great landmark on the horizon. So far as Eva knew, none of them had ever come back through the farm. It was a strange life, another strange time, another role she'd never asked for. But she found she was good at it and Eva Levante had no interest in returning to the city. Very nice. <clears throat> I like this card for sure. It just shows a different, like it ties a lot of our questions together, or my personal questions about kind of what happened to Eva, why we hadn't seen her, uh, but also kind of just like life outside of the city. I guess we kind of all thought that the war, in, I always thought, you know, like the war ended, and you're thinking, you know, everyone runs back to the city and all this and that. You know, as players, we were like, the, th the farm had such a limited run. Nobody used it. But, like, that is also why it's so fitting. She says people who come to the farm, like, never come back. Like, the farm was kind of forgotten. Um, you know, so many people were ready to go back to their old life. But there's so much commenting about how life was different now. Some people had made this home. And, you know, Tyra, who stayed there, and how Devrim was there for such a long time, um, you know, just a lot of these people were just going about their lives in this new fashion. Some were ready to, to run run off back home. So I just kind of like how it kind of explains how the farm was a little forgotten. 
and just even she was a little forgotten about how you know we wondered what happened to her but not so much because it talked about her job as avenger was never that important nobody really noticed her there um that also talks about why we never saw her at the farm because we would have been there and we had no idea she was there so i really like how they once again tie a lore you know into the game mechanics yeah definitely and i mean i don't i don't know about anybody else but like i didn't visit the farm all too much before mm-hmm. unlocking you know before defeating gall yeah only when i needed to yeah and then as soon as we defeated gall why go back to the farm there was the tower yeah so like they could have added her in and people would not have noticed it's true yeah, but I think they did their point here. They make, made their point here, regardless of if she actually was there or not, like, in the game, if you could have found her. Like, like you said, we wouldn't have noticed her, and that was kind of, like, the feeling in this car. Like, I think that's what they were trying to get at. Like, yeah. we don't always notice those little things anyway. And they also liked how it talked about how these Guardians having their light back, how it felt different. And we know that our subclasses have all changed up a little bit. So I thought that was cool. Um, and acknowledging that a lot of the Guardians didn't get... The light from this shard but they knew that we had re- you know retained our light or restored our light from this shard you know so i'm sure a lot of people came here looking to get their light back and didn't right away so it sounded like it attracted a lot of uh, a lot of guardians just kind of passing through what about you mrs hyven any thoughts for this card no that's what kind of just makes me sad She's just, she's adapted to so much, and she's been there for so many, and now she's alone. Yeah, that is kind of how it seems. It is, it is sad. It's kind of like, it's like a solemn card. Like, you're, you think everyone, we rejoiced so much after the tower was yeah. retaken, but it was like, what about just all the average people? Her purpose know, life doesn't go back to normal. Out, you know? Yeah. And her original purpose it's kind of like she had almost gotten so far from it you know it almost wasn't who she was anymore and i don't know i don't know it's kind of crazy to me but um well i think that's fitting with our next card's name if you're uh, okay i'll go ahead and read that one then please and that one's titled invisible scars <clears throat> The comms unit in her little room chirped loudly enough to wake Eva from a sound sleep. Eva had turned the little outbuilding into something of a homey space with use of fabrics and art scavenged from the dead zone. But as it often did when she woke suddenly these days, it took her a moment to remember where she was. She groaned as she slid out of bed, using nearby furniture to steady herself. The damage the war beast had done had been extensive. And even now, she could feel the tightness in her legs, where the Braytech had knit bone and sinew back together. She slumped into the little chair in front of the comms unit. The light from the screen lit the room, which was otherwise almost completely dark. She blurrily peered into the unit as the image of Tess Eververse resolved itself. It was daylight in the city, and Tess was impeccably dressed for work. Do you have any idea what time it is here? Eva asked, allowing the annoyance to seep into her wounds. Yes, I do. Something's in Tess, something in Tess's voice made Eva sit up and look closer. There was a tightness to Tess's face. She looked 
frightened. Tess, what's going on? Are you all right? Eva was wide awake now and plucked at the edge of her teal robe to draw it around her. She was suddenly cold. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Just wanted you to know right away. I bet Tyra's getting a call from Rahul right now. Tess looked down and away from looking into the camera again. Sweetie, Cade's dead. Something happened out at the reef yesterday. I don't know all the details, but everyone's talking about it. Eva's mouth formed a thin, worried line. She'd never been overly fond of the Hunter Vanguard. So many people looked up to him, relied on him. And if something was pal enough to kill Cade Six, the Legion? Tess shook her, her head, still quiet as far as word around here goes. She gave a dim smile for the first time since Eva had picked up. You know how reliable the rumor mill is, though. It could be anything. Eva sat back in her chair, frowning. I'm sorry, dear. I know you liked him. Tess shrugged, trying to play it off. Don't give me that. We weren't swapping stories in the market that long ago. Tess stopped and nodded sadly. There's going to be a memorial service, I think. Will you come back for it? It was Eva's turn to look away from the screen. It was the first time someone had asked her to go back, and for a funeral of all things. Eva was about to make an excuse when Tess continued, her smoky voice taking in a light tinge of humor. While you're here, you can sort out the, holo the holiday programming for the frames. Eva's eyes widened. The frames are doing holidays without me? Tessa's smile broke into a full grin. We were just as surprised. Somehow, all the holiday gear got packed along with the critical supplies and the transfer to the new tower. And when your programs kicked in, they were able to find the tagged crates. Tess picked up her comms unit and angled the lens so that it would show the donning hat sitting on top of a mannequin in the corner of the room. Eva shook her head, disbelieving. They did the donning without me? Tess's face came back into frame. Over the summer, Ikora got someone to help her set up an event to commemorate the end of the war, too. Eva tried not to let her annoyance show on her face. How was it? Tess shook her head from side to side, evaluating. Oh, you know. Okay. When she saw Eva's mouth tighten, Tess laughed. It didn't have your touch, sweetie, she sighed. Oh, it feels good to laugh. Come back to the tower. Even if it's just to pay your respects, I haven't given you a hug in what feels like years. In the darkness of her room, Eva turned to look out of her window. On the horizon... The dim glow of the shard was like an anger, a symbol of the past. Eva looked back toward her friend and smiled. To me, it feels like Ava's coming to the realization that the world moves on without you. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. That's perfect. <clears throat> and like everything you set up continues going on. So it's, and it, yeah. it makes her sad. I mean, it, it was talking about how, you know, 
the frames are doing holidays without me. They did the dawning without me. Yeah. I love that it was acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I agree. And the thing that spurned all this was the fact that Tess was calling to let Ava know that Kate's dead. So right there, we know the timing of this. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she thought, was it still the Red Legion, you know, the last remnants? Like, things have moved on so much since then that there's a completely new enemy <clears throat> that we were fighting. Like you said, she was almost kind of like stuck in the past. It was like the rest of the world moved on and recovered from the war, but she still hadn't. Yeah. Like I said, though, I think it's like her life changed so much because of that war. Who she was became completely different. And I think, I don't feel like she wanted to still be that person, but it's like she couldn't go back to who she was before. I feel like she couldn't be that same happy person with all this baggage she felt. That's why it's called the card is invisible scars. Like she had these scars that other people, and physical scars. We learned Mm -hmm. that she got, yeah, she got, I mean, special tech had to be used to basically put her back together, you know? And so it's just like, I think, and, and what, what was the injury? Do we know? Oh, it was from the war beasts. No, no, where on her? It sounded like her, le- and somewhere in her legs said she could feel the tightness in her legs where the bray tech had knit back bone and sinews. Yeah. I'm assuming leg, so I don't thigh. Know, maybe maybe the what the injury was makes her unable sure to sit for as long of periods of times as so maybe she can't sew as much as she used to. You know, you just don't know what the injury did to her as well or what it took from her as well. Like, we and don't even acknowledge that until now, you know? Yeah, and it's just kind of like... I don't know. Like I said, it's just she wasn't the same person she was. She she couldn't go back to who she was, but I don't think she necessarily wanted to continue. And not even necessarily wanted to continue what she was doing, but now, you know, when we discuss the injury, she probably couldn't continue who she was, you know. Um, it's just I think she had two very distinct identities, one that she loved, one that she had to adapt to. And and now with the war being over and with her injuries and everything, she just kind of got stuck. And I, yeah, I mean, really genuinely stuck in that time. And I don't know, it just, it really breaks my heart after learning so much about her and, and seeing her just rally in such a beautiful way. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's nice to know that she, you know, came back for this dawning event and clearly, like, eventually get somewhere. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll get there, but yeah, I just, it's. I don't know. It just it, it breaks my heart. Like I love, I love getting to see the fact that she she decorated her room, made it homey, and you know, fabrics and arts and. And everything. And when it talks about her robe, she has, it's not just, oh, her blue robe. She has a teal robe. I picture her in this like silky teal robe that's like bright. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad that she got some, some normalcy back. Yeah. Are, are you sure you've never seen Ava before? Yeah. Because teal is her color. Oh, yeah. 
That's funny. Well, then I'm glad. So see, she even has her color back, you know, like, I love it. I love it. Very nice. I love that she has her color back. No, she's, I don't know. I think this is a, this is a turning point. I think like Elemis said it perfectly. She's realizing that the world's going on without her and that she, you know, before she had no desire to go to the tower. It sounds like she was, you know, she was depressed and she was, she was kind of letting it sink in. And, you know, something like the shock of Kate's death. She doesn't even, she's almost not even shocked by that. Um, but I think she's starting to realize that, like, like Elemis said, you know, these parties are going on without her. Things are still happening that, like, life moves on. And then she has a little bit of just, she gets to enjoy this relationship she has with Tess, talk to her friend. You know, I feel like I can feel Ava kind of, like, lightening up. Like, you know, maybe, I guess I could go back just to give a friend a hug kind of thing. So, um, it's it's. I feel like a little bit of a turning point. It's definitely solemn, but at the same time, I feel like she's there's like a little glimmer of kind of who she is coming back. Yeah, I love that of all people, it was Tess. You know, I mean, we started out with Tess in this book and her, you know, laughing. Yeah. So to see it come exactly. full circle with her and Tess laughing again, that does kind of lighten the mood and like give my heart a little bit of ease and the sadness that I feel for her. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to wrap this up with the very last card. You can never go home again. Ava Levante pulled open the door to her storage unit and gagged at the smell. She turned to the two frames who were accompanying her and pointed inside. Start by sanitizing the whole space. When it's clean, we'll start moving in the crates. The frames both nodded to her and beeped affirmation. They were already sweeping with abandon as they crossed the threshold. Ava stumped back several paces, supported by her cane, to avoid getting any dirt on her outfit. Around her, the marketplace swirled with activity. Civilians on break ate at the lunch counter. Shoppers browsed the stalls. Frames cleaned and patrolled and delivered goods. And guardians were everywhere, a riot of color and style as they flipped and floated and leapt across the space. Ava scowled, frustrated with herself again for letting Tess and, to an extent, Amanda talk her into returning. None of this felt right. None of it felt comfortable. And now this space they'd given her to store her wares had apparently last been opened and cleaned sometime before the faction wars. She found a bench along one of the market's walkways and sank gratefully down, watching the crowd pass by. Fashion, as it always did in the city, had moved quickly since the day the Legion attacked. She was still catching up, still finding her footing, Rebreather masks, in particular, dotted the faces in the crowd, more stylish and ornamental than practical, a holdover from a necessity in the days rebuilding and restoring the city. And the Guardians! Tess had spent much of their time together since her return, filling her in on fashion trends among the Lightbearer set, and Ava was incredibly impressed. Tess, the foundries, 
Even the Vanguard had outdone themselves. Armor designs and shader schemas had improved dramatically since her days at the old tower. What am I even going to do here? She muttered to herself. What can I do that... She trailed off, watching a guardian walk by with what appeared to be a full crest rising above his helmet and a warlock robe that flowed and rippled behind him in the breeze. That's it. Ava stood, heading for the door to tell the frames to stop cleaning when someone stepped into her path. A guardian in a leather trench coat with a shiny black helm. Ava? The voice was distorted. She could see her own face reflected in the helmet, confused. The gloved hands came up and the headpiece came off to reveal the smiling face of Ramos. Abuela, it's me. He pulled her into an enormous hug as she smiled. You rascal. You never gave me the chance to thank you. She spotted him kindly on the shoulder as she pulled away. Just save a woman's life and then ride off to retake the city, why don't you? Ramos laughed, happier than she'd ever seen him. The light hung around him easily, and he turned to a pair of guardians who were standing nearby, watching tentatively. Team, this is Ave Levante. You remember my stories? This woman is a legend. He gestured at the two. Ava, these two are shiny as glimmer, just became guardians before the Legion attacked. Ava nodded her head deeply to them. Good to meet you both. One raised a hand in an awkward greeting, while the other cocked at their head. What do you do here? Ava sighed. Oh, I'm not. I'm not, actually. Ramos laughed and said, she's a phenomenal seamstress. A hero of the war. And before that, she was one of the pillars of life in the tower. Remember the dawning holiday you liked so much? She brought that to the tower. The two turned back to her, impressed. How did you get Zavala to agree to... to... Eva smiled. To have fun? She laughed at the responses she got from all three guardians and tapped her cane twice on the ground. That's a very good story, if you have some time. Remus laughed. Absolutely. Come, let's get some food. And we can help these kindergartians learn a thing about what it means to be a part of the tower. With help from her friend, Ava Levante walked easily across the market square of the tower, bastion of the last safe city. Home. That makes me happy. I don't know. She seems at peace. That card alone just felt like it went full circle. Yeah. I feel like, like she just was able to reconcile everything and move on and get past it and maybe not necessarily get back to who she was before, but figure out how who she was before plays into who she is now. Exactly. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the name of this card. You can never go home again. and how, yeah. But she actually is home. There's like a part of her that will never get back home. Like she comes and how the things the don't feel. Yeah, things don't feel the same. And 
how everyone's moved on without her and she feels discouraged and like, you know, that serious injury and just, you know, it was just traumatic. But like at the end, you can tell that she acknowledges, you know, I think like Ramos acknowledging how amazing she is really like yeah. did it for her. And I think she just had a little bit of the, you know what, things are never going to be the same, but there are new guardians here who I can, I can continue on with. Um, you know, I have people like Ramos who do appreciate me. Um, you know, I do have a lot I can still give and I'm exactly. going to just keep working like I did before. And I like that really shows just like before, just when there was work to be done, that's when she was really herself. Yeah. So I think, I, yeah, a it's part like of it her can never that. be the same, but that doesn't mean that I don't have anything to work towards, you know, to, yeah. to do like, I don't know, just, I don't know, personally with my own life and whatnot. It's just another reason that I kind of relate to her. I really, really love this character. I love the development of this character. I love that, like we said, while it has come full circle, it, in a sense, hasn't, you know? Like, we got to see her start to finish and everything, and but we saw her grow, we saw her change, and we... Yeah, she's changed. Yeah, I just, and I she love goes, it. Yeah, yeah. I love she's this She's never going to be the same, but she has grown at the same time. Like, at the very end, it's just, I don't know, I feel like... It, it, you know, you know. sometimes this can be like she was home, but she was never, you know, her mind wasn't there. But I like at the end, it says with help from her friend, she walked easily across mm-hmm. the market square. So she had that like pep in her step again, even. Yeah. yeah. After slumping down on a binge, exhausted. So I yeah. really and like, I, I feel like she was a little bit more to her, back to herself. Yeah. I just, I love again the real world application here that we can get, you know. I, I don't know. I just, I love what Destiny's doing, you know. I mean, it's just. It really helps us to see, too, just, like, in our own lives, like, it doesn't matter, like, kind of as we go through these different things and as we're also ever-changing, like, there's always still something for us to work towards and to try and just, like, continue on. And it just helps us to see, like, such good perseverance. Like, they're just really presenting these characters that are just good role models to the people in the Destinyverse. And I, I I just appreciate that. And a little side thing I noticed there, it helps to appreciate that Ramos was the one who saved her, but also yes. that he was one of the guardians in the final cutscene, it sounds like, who helped assault um, for the last battle. Yes. So I thought that was kind of cool. Well, hear from another guardian sounded, who's never acknowledged. Well, it sounded like all three <laughs> of the guardians that Ava saved yeah. were there in that final battle cutscene. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really just kind of cool because we see a couple uh, unnamed guardians, you know, some people with Akora's distractions, some people are fighting. You know, there's just like a whole bunch going on. Um I don't know, you I don't know if you remember that part there Mrs. Hyven, but right there at the end when everyone basically joined forces storms and all the city. storms the city so that we can get on and fight mm-hmm. Gaul. Like everyone like puts everything on the line. When a lot of them, when they, most of them, when we're really on to their light, they put their life on the line just to get us up there to fight Gaul. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. And it's nice to see that this Guardian was acknowledged, like, in the lore, that he was a person. And, you know, like you said, it puts identity on some of these characters. We just don't really know. But I, I think that's nice, too. But it also shows, once again, where her choice way back to save these 
yeah. you know, what effect it had. Yeah. I mean, three extra guardians, three extra bodies, when you're literally scrounging together what you can get to to try and take by the guitar. I mean, three people can make a difference. So, yeah. I mean, she, had she not done that, had she just left them to die like that guy wanted, who's to say the tower would have been taken back? And we don't hear about that random guy anymore. Who knows what happened to him? Nobody cares. He. <laughs> Nobody likes you. Go home. Yeah. Well, he was unfashionable. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, for all we Eva know, he didn't die. For all we know, she dressed him up with some nice stuff and moved him along his way. You know, maybe she was the bigger person and helped him out. <laughs> or maybe he quickly went back to his boring life and it took her a little bit longer to get back to the cheerful life she had. <laughs> yeah. Makes her a cooler character. She is. She's my new fave. It's a good feeling to end on. You know, it's like a, it's almost like you get like a bittersweet feeling, I think. I feel like way too emotional about all of this right now. Yeah. Like they wrote a story that you truly relate to because this is something that you could relate to as a person. Yeah. I feel this story so hard and I just like, like on such a deep emotional personal level and I really I just appreciate Destiny for for doing this. This book is really good and I'm really, really glad you guys picked it for this week. It it's a good week. Good time. Good good episode to come back on too. For sure. Oh, yeah. Great start yeah. to our year. Oh yeah. I loved it. And on that note, next week we're doing the Dawning Lore book. Um so it's it's a little more about Ava, but it's gonna be guest starring like all the different tower vendors, NPCs, PCs, yeah, all the different vendors that we deal with, and so it, it ought to be a fun one. Yeah, I think it'll be fun too because it's gonna be her back in her element. Um, you know, it after a little bit of this solemn episode, you'll see her kind of recounting her relationship with these people and giving everyone gifts how much thought she thinks, how she knows everyone individually. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Ava doing Ava or Eva doing Eva. You know, I've heard it both ways. It just depends on your pronunciation. Your pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that note, have a good night. Good night, everyone. See you next week.